This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is March 21st, 2021. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, I am Sharon Sperber. I used to be known as Sharon Joffe. I was at Hofstra Radio, WRHU, from 1986 until 1993. So high school through after college. And uh, what shows did you work on while you were at Hofstra Radio? Um, pretty much just airwave and uh, working in the music department. Okay. Did you have any official title in the music department or with the station, or were you uh, just uh, working as a DJ? Um, a DJ. When I when I first started in 1986, I was still in high school. I was not on air. Um, I had learned about basically interning at the radio station through an acquaintance, and I went there to get my FCC license. And got my FCC license and worked in the in the music department with Tim McDonald, who was the music director at the time. Basically, logging in records when they arrived, and you know we would do record listening parties. I would label the records, code them, whatever process was in place at that time, and then eventually worked my way into doing some engineering. So we all had to do engineering of different shows where you weren't actually on air. So put that time in. And then eventually at some point, I don't remember when, to be perfectly honest, when I started doing Airwave, but it was definitely in the in the late 80s because I was either in high school or, or college at the time. I don't remember. So you mentioned joining the station while you were in high school. Mm-hmm. What was it that first brought you to the station? Were you always interested in radio? Was it music? What brought you down there to uh, to the campus? It was music, 100% music. Um, the, the full story, and I'll be as brief as possible, but... Mm-hmm. I I was into pen pals, you know, there was no internet. So we wrote letters to people and I had a pen pal and I wound up getting a pen pal that lived in like Wontaw. And she told me that she had worked at the station and got her FCC license. And I was obsessed with uh, WLIR 92.7 at the time. And she had told me about about Hofstra's radio station. And I listened to WRHU and I also listened to the other college stations in the market and I was like, wow, that would be really cool. And I, I honestly, I don't remember how it all came to be, but I think I went, I don't know if I called or she told me who to call and I went down there and I, yeah, I, I just started doing the internship because I was obsessed with music and it was really all about the music at that time in my life. I wasn't interested in being on air straight away. So I probably interned in the in the music department for about a year or so, I'm guessing, before I went on air. And I don't know what prompted me to do that. But then I did on air. It was fun. <laughs> so, so it begs the question, what kind of music were you into? And you mentioned a couple of radio stations where, and there was no internet. Mm-hmm. Where were you getting access to this music and, and what did it mean to you then? Um, so music for me back then, it was all, you know, what was known as alternative rock and goth and new wave and punk rock. Um, so, you know, Susie and the Banshees and The Cure and Depeche Mode and Echo and the Bunnymen and Duran Duran. And I was into U2 at the time and uh, just all that stuff. So um, where did I get music from? Listening predominantly to 92.7, but then also picking up the enemy and melody maker and smash hits and star hits and going to record stores like, um, slip disc and Valley stream going into the city to, um, St. Mark sounds. And I don't know how much I went to bleaker bobs cause I always felt there was attitude there and I didn't feel like dealing with it, but I always, you know, just perusing the import section 
and you know tower records i think record world was another store at the time i can't remember mm-hmm. a shop i would go to i think it was called island sound in mm-hmm. like oceanside island park something like that yeah imagine <laughs> that getting attitude at the record store it's unheard of <laughs> totally <laughs> um so when you first got down to the station vaguely for those of us who weren't there at the same time where was the station at the time? Can you paint a, a bit of a picture of what it was like walking in to the office? And you mentioned the music department a couple of times. So yeah. um, I think I know what exactly what you're talking about. But if you could paint a picture of what it was like, where it was, maybe who you first met when you went down there the first time. Yeah, I... I'm not going to remember the exact first time, but the the people that were there at that time, um, Tim McDonald was the music director. Um, Jeff Raspi, also known as Butch, he was around. Um, Laurie Gale and um, Darren Smith, who I think is on Sirius XM now. Um, They were all a couple of years older than me. Obviously I was in high school. They were all in college. Um, And I think I was a, I was a junior, a junior or a senior. I don't remember what year, what, what year it was. I mean, it was 86. I just don't remember where I was in high school, but it was in the basement of, was it Memorial Hall? I think was the name of it. Okay. So it was the basement. So there weren't any windows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The music office was the the same one that you probably remember when Renee was there. Um, And yeah, the music office was small, filled with records. And then there was the main office that had a bunch of desks. Um, Je- you walked in and the far left corner was Jeff Krause. And I think mm-hmm. Suzy was the next desk and then other random desks all around. Um, I don't remember the names of everyone, but I know the sports guys were always in there. And then, you know, it was just a couple of hallways to all the different studios, but it was, I don't want to say it was dark. It, it was, but it wasn't. Um, and you know, just lots of hallways and stuff. So, you know, as a 16 year old high school kid, it was intimidating, but it was exciting at the same time. So when did you show up? I mean, cause you're, you're in high school, so mm-hmm. it must've been particular times. How often did you come? How much time did you spend? And, and do you remember anything like going through those records and going, wow, this is cool. Or this is awesome. I'm excited about this. Yeah. There's a couple of distinct memories I have. So I, what I wound up doing, the I grew up in Long Beach, and we had something. I don't know if this was a Long Beach thing or a Nassau County thing. It was called a work study program, mm-hmm. where you could get your you you could get your driver's license when you were sixteen, like your full senior driver's license at sixteen, and you were allowed to drive by yourself from home to school, from school to work, and from work home. And so I used Hofstra as kind of like an internship work thing. And I got a work study that way. So I went, I I drove myself, I I think it was twice a week, two or three times a week. I used to go after school and, you know, file records and hang out. And um, some things that I remember distinctly, I remember when XTC's Skylarking came out and the first version of the album did not have Dear God on it because that wasn't released as a single yet. Um, and I remember logging that in. Um, and then I remember when it came in a couple of months later with Dear God added to it. And then I also remember logging in some 45s of a band called Spaceman 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if I listened to them or what they sounded like, but I remember liking the name and... Uh, 
just their their logo of the triangle with the three in it and then of course years later um spiritualized is spun out of that and then that's like spiritualized is like my favorite band of all time um and yeah I, i'm trying to remember if there were any other I mean, there's so much great music that came out in the late 80s that I'm sure I logged in. So, um, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. That That's that's an impressive list off the top of your head. Um, so you're spending time there logging records. Did, did someone suggest that you uh, get your FCC license and get cleared for air? Do you remember taking an engineering class or an announcing class? I, I definitely took an engineering class. Um, that was That was kind of like my initial goal of being into music was I liked the idea of being behind the scenes and being on air. And I'm as, as a woman in 2021, I'm almost ashamed to say that back then I, I liked the idea of like maybe going into like record production, but I thought at that time there's no women in it. And I was not Mm. the type to knock down walls and break down barriers. Um, So I, I don't know. At some point, I, I really don't remember when I had the idea of, of being on air, but I did do some on air at that commercial radio station down the street doing beach reports and filling in when I was 16. Um, but, and that was probably my first time on air. I can't remember if I was on air at Hofstra, if I, I, I really don't remember the, the course of events, but uh, it may have been I didn't go to Hofstra my freshman and sophomore year. I went to Emerson College in Boston. And when I came back on all of my breaks and in the summer, I always came back to Hofstra and to WRHU working in the music department and eventually at some point going on air. I don't think I ever took an announcing class. I think I just went on air. But hmm. I did get the F- I did do the engineering class for the FCC license. So you got the FCC license while you were still in high school. Yeah. And you were on the air on WLIR while yes. you were in high school? Yes. Okay. And that was, you said Beach Reports, but you weren't hosting your own show? Correct. Okay. Interesting. And then when you came back from break, you were doing shows or you were just working in the music department? Um, both. I just, I just don't remember when I did that first show. I'm sure in the box that I have upstairs under my bed <laughs> filled with cassettes that has pretty much every single air check I've ever done, um, I probably have my first show somewhere in there. That's awesome. Uh, some people, the first time they're on the air, the air, they're super nervous. That was me. And some people mm-hmm. are super confident and they're ready to do that. So I guess if you had already been on the air by the time you got your first airwave show you were i'm assuming not nervous or what can any idea what you know was going through your mind doing that i was probably nervous i think there's always some of that you want to make sure that you say everything you're required to say especially if it's the top or bottom of the hour if you're supposed to read news or a psa that you know you got your coordination so I, the other thing is, you know, when, when you're first on air, you tend to fill a lot of dead air with whatever. So I'm sure I did a lot of, you know, I think I did a lot of all right kind of thing. Cause I remember, I remember when I was on the air at Emerson's radio station and I, and I listened to some early air checks that I would do things like, you know, coming out of a record just with the, all right. Cause what else are you going to say when you're like 17? You just don't know. (laughs) So yeah, just a lot of, I don't want to say, uh, not gobbledygook, but just, you know, like 
little interjections, interjections here and there to cover up that nervousness. Um, but I don't, I don't remember how nervous I got. I, I always enjoyed it. I loved it, which is why, you know, I graduated in 91, but I continued on air till 93. And the only reason was because I was living at my parents' house because I wasn't making a lot of money and I could commute. And I did a show every Monday night. And when I moved into the city, I just stopped doing it. Hmm. So you, you mentioned a couple names uh, earlier, uh, Tim McDonald being one of them. Do you remember people who were particularly helpful or welcoming when you first got down to the station that you know, made you feel at ease and comfortable doing the work that you were doing? I would say the three or four people I noted, Tim McDonald, uh, Darren Smith, Jeff Raspi, and um, Laurie Gale were probably the four people that I saw the most, hung out with the most hung out in the music office the most. Um, so yeah, they were, those four were definitely the most welcoming. It's not to say that anybody else that was there that was, that was welcoming. Um, wasn't, I just don't remember all of the names. Um, so being in high school and, and getting used to the station, do you, do you think you can, picture a time, maybe a couple weeks in, a couple months in where you felt comfortable at the station said, I want to keep doing this. This isn't just uh, a short term thing. I want, I, I want to be here. I feel like the people here are cool and are into the same kind of thing. Do you have any idea about how long it took to sort of uh, feel comfortable? Um, probably, probably after going a couple of times, I, I've always been shy in terms of I don't like when it takes a while for me to warm up to people um, because I just wouldn't know what to say or anything like that. But music is such a, an icebreaker, hmm. um, you know, and I, and I also never wanted to like ask for anything or, you know, so I was, I was always just kind of like cautious with what I was doing or asking for. Um, but everyone there, I mean, like I said, you know, Tim, I spent the most time with cause he was music director um, but he was great. And there were times where I would show up to log records in and somebody would let me into the music office and he wasn't there. And it was just me, you know, opening up packages of records, logging them in, um, you know, putting the labels on, doing all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, they were all super nice. I don't remember at, at what point I felt slightly more at ease. I think I was always a little, um, you know, nervous teenager, but mm -hmm. I loved it. I mean, from day one, I was like, this is so cool. All these record companies are sending all this music. There's all this amazing music. I get to hear it before people, you know, it was just, it was that cool factor that doesn't quite exist in the same way anymore because, you know, a record goes from, you know, from the pressing plant basically to a radio station. And then until the radio station plays it, you know, you get to hear it before anyone else because you're listening to it before you put it on air. And I always thought that was just the coolest. Did you do, um, I, for lack of a better term, the, sort of the, the record reviews or previews? Because I remember there would be stickers on a lot of albums that said, this is what it is and suggested tracks. Was that part of what you did? Yes. So we had these, these like four inch labels and in a, you know, thick black marker, you'd write like the first four letters, I think of, of the band name, something like that, so that we could alphabetize everything. Mm -hmm. And then, then we would put things aside and there would be a designated like day or time that 
Tim and maybe a couple other people that I named, we would get together and have a record listening party where we would then make those comments and then make the recommended tracks and do a bunch of needle dropping. Oh, that's cool. I What I was thinking of earlier was uh, I, I seem to remember Tuesdays being a big day for records and new music coming in, that there were times we'd even walk across campus to the, to the mail sorting facility and get the new things coming in. And that was, that was always a, a, even if you weren't sure what was coming in, it was an exciting thing that, oh, the new music's here. It's Tuesday. And we're going to spend all day in the music office listening to what just came in. That I, I don't, I don't remember specific days, but that yeah. sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But as you were talking, there's sort of that excitement of like, oh, what's the new thing? What's, you know, you know, how's this, how's this going to sound? And, and what are we going to put on the air? I, I remember that distinctly being uh, a very cool feeling. Yeah. Um, so did you have any idea as, as you got used to being at the station, what WRHU and Hofstra radio would mean to you, uh, looking forward? Did you think it would just be maybe a year or two while you were in high school or did you have a long-term idea about what it might be? Um, I mean, I, I, I always enjoyed being on air when I was on air there. Uh, my personal goal ultimately was to get on air at 92.7, which I, when it switched over from LIR to WDRE, I went there. Lori Gale, who I had mentioned when she graduated, she went over there. I actually started, I forgot. So Tim McDonnell and Darren Smith were both answering phones on Tuesdays. So I'm sure I probably was at Hofstra at WRHU on Tuesdays, logging in records. Um, from six to nine, uh, Tim and Darren used to answer phones on the airline. And I'm sorry, I'm not talking about Hofstra right now, but it is connected. Mm -hmm. And um, Darren got a job on air. And so therefore, Tim invited me to start answering phones with him. And that's how I got into LIR was uh, answering phones Tuesday nights for Larry the Duck from six to nine. And then one day Malibu Sue was filling in and I just asked her if I could fill in for her on the beach reports because I was a lifeguard and that happened. And then, you know, I just continued, um, you know, nurturing those relationships with different people at the station. And I worked at both stations simultaneously. So eventually I worked my way up to doing on air at DRE and I was also on air at Hofstra. <clears throat> so to answer your question, what did it mean to me? What did I think I, I was going to do long-term? I, my long-term goal was to be on air, at DRE and I never really wanted to live anywhere except New York. So if that's where I could be on air, that's where I wanted to be. Um, in retrospect, all these years later, I, you know, I have different feelings and regrets here and there of different choices I made when I was much younger, but I'm comfortable with all of them. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was great being on air there. It was a lot of fun. Um, I loved the fact that, you know, I had two or three hours, depending on the length of the show. I think when Airwave originally was three hours from like 10 to one. And then when I first started and then they switched it and I think it went from 11 or maybe from 10 to two or 11 to three, I don't remember how it was. And then it was broken up into two, two hour shifts. Um, so more people could do the show, but I enjoyed doing it. I liked the, the freeform aspect of it with the handful of required things that you had to play from rotation. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just good fun doing the show. 
Uh, that is, uh, that's awesome. That's very interesting to, to, to hear your story. And, uh, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, sometime in the future, we'll, we'll, we'll talk some more and we'll get some more stories out of you, but this has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. It was great to do it and, uh, reminisce. <laughs>